Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Let's get to our Counterpoint where we put the two great minds of Bob Richardson, senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hello there. Hello. Up against the mind and the great mind of Anthony Fury, who you can read, of course, in Sun Post Media, where he is a columnist. Hello. Hello, both of you. All right, let's talk a little bit about the subject I was uh, chatting with Duff Conacher about. He, uh, of course, is with the organization Democracy Watch, the Supreme Court Canada, ruling that voting restrictions on expats uh, are unconstitutional. And so essentially anybody uh, who was born in Canada living in the world for no matter what time can now vote in our elections. And the one thing that, um, and I'll, I'll start with you on this, Bob, that uh, Duff brought up is, sure, that's all fine and dandy, but there has to be conditions. Like you have to own a property or you have to have an address or something. There have to be some conditions. Otherwise, there's going to be problems here actually the first uh, country to uh, deal with this issue issue. in a number of different countries ireland comes to mind um i'm i'm to be candid not sure what the uh, what the rules are in some of those uh, in some of those countries Mm -hmm. but i know that there's big expat votings at at, uh, embassies abroad for a number and consulates abroad for a number of different uh, countries you see that here in our country i I remember uh, most recently during a greek election so look i think it can be accommodated i think the courts are saying if you're a canadian um that that gives you a permission or right uh, or or, uh, a right to be uh uh, to be a voter and uh, to help select the government. I don't have a problem with that, but I got to tell you, I don't have a really strong, strong view on this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, until it's kind of, uh, you're confronted with it, Anthony, it's like, well, you think about it, well, why would I want someone who's been out of here for 50 years to have a say? Yeah. They, they don't have any interest in the policy. It's not going to affect them. Um, but again, my big issue is, like, where's the riding? Where, who are they voting and how is this all going to work? I mean, I, I don't know how it works, frankly. But again, I would prefer if there were some framework in there. Well, yeah, like Bob said, I don't have a huge problem with with the reasoning that brought the courts to where they are at. But let's look at the B side of the album, which is that citizenship rules have been a little loosened recently. It's a bit easier to obtain Canadian citizenship and that phrase that some people think you shouldn't be able to even allow to say on radio, which is Canadians of convenience. There's the feeling that that is rising. So at a time in the decades past, this, if this ruling had been in place, people would have gone, I don't even really know who this applies to. I guess a few people there, here and there, who cares? But as we move more and more into this global village where Justin Trudeau says we're in a post-national state, people are going to start to feel a little bit queasy about all of this more. And they're maybe going to ask to see uh, much more rigor brought into how one is eligible for Canadian citizenship. And that's a conversation uh, we're going to have to have and, and that we should. Let's talk about the uh, Prime Minister who has been doing these town halls. Uh, he was in uh, Kamloops, B.C. for the first one. He didn't seem to make it to Alberta, but he was in Saskatchewan last night. And It's been a tough road for him. He's been marred by protests on all sorts of issues, be it energy, Indigenous issues, immigration. Um, and a question asked last night by a young woman from the oil industry wanted to know what it was that he meant when he made comments about construction workers on the world stage uh, a couple of months ago. And here was Mr. Trudeau's response. 
My question for you, Mr. Prime Minister, is what exactly did you mean by gender impacts when you bring construction workers into a rural area? If you could, please provide a thorough explanation on your comment in addition to clarifying what exactly those social and gender impacts are. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you for your question. And and thank you for your hard work. Uh, construction workers build this country every single day. Uh, the work you do and the work uh, your colleagues do around this country, building our roads, building our bridges, building our homes, building our factories, uh, building our country every day is an essential building block of uh, the country and the future we're building. That's why uh, we're investing historic amounts in infrastructure. That is why we know uh, that investments in uh, the work that construction workers do right across the country is essential for building the better future that we need. Thank you for your question. <laughs> to which, Anthony, she got no answer to. I mean, look, it, it was a legitimate question, and I think if there's any confusion about this, that would have been a good opportunity for Mr. Trudeau to say, let, look, let me explain what I meant. Yeah, Trudeau does these town halls this time every year across the country, and, and I, I credit him with doing them. I, I, I do, because they're not as sort of uh, filtered and, and screened as other events that politicians, of you know, both liberals and conservatives have done in the past. But then he should also realize he's going to get his people kind moment every year. Like he's going to get that awful clip and that awful quote when you're just sort of putting yourself in, into the lion's den like that. You got to figure out how am I going to deal with it? Am I going to deal with it completely openly, answer everything? Am I going to try and spin things here? Uh, as to the construction workers comment, I, I think it was actually, uh, Bob, you had said this a, a few weeks ago when it, when it first materialized a couple months ago, why are politicians even wading in on some of these issues originally? I mean, just, just step away. You don't even need to say this darn thing about, you know, men coming into a workplace and so forth. It, it, it brings like an overexposure of topics. So I, I think the prime minister does have to own this because he's the one who first walked into it. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think we've almost totally mischaracterized what went on. I think this has been a good road for him, not a tough road for him. They were lined up out the door in Kelowna, mm -hmm. not exactly known as uh, downtown Toronto liberal territory, uh, for three hours to get in to see him. And I actually watched a lot of it online uh, on both of them. And he's been very well received, and he, by and large, is very good answering uh, a number of questions on the economy, on immigration, on Native issues, quite frankly, keeping his cool when he's been faced with some pretty, um, shall we say, interesting questions <laughs> or interesting views from people. So I think, if anything, it, is an, it enhances him. It doesn't drag him down. I agree with you on this question, and quite frankly, I can think of two or three others where I thought the answers were either meandering or a little weak. But overall, uh, look, compared to the last guy who was almost Howard Hughes when it came to the public, um, this guy is <laughs> out there. He did not wear the bathrobe and he did you not know, have bottles in his bedroom. Okay? You know, he's, not, he's, he's not hanging out on the top floor of the Bayshore Hotel. You know, <laughs> he, is, uh, he is out there doing this, you know, day after day. And you've got to give the guy credit for that. All right. You can. I won't. You're on point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.
We're under our second round of Counterpoint with Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury. And, um, you know, this week has been a long series of conversations about this new impaired driving legislation, which I think a lot of people are saying, oh, what the hell is going on? But now we actually get a story about a guy in Toronto who lost his driver's license after telling his doctor he smokes pot for medicinal purposes. He has Crohn's, anxiety, and is a cancer survivor. And he wasn't smoking at the time. He was not driving at the time. But a week later, the doctor thought, well, you know, this could uh, affect your ability to operate um, the vehicle. He did get his, his license back after a while. But take a listen to what he says happened to him. I told him that I smoke marijuana. He started mentioning that I could lose my license for that or have my license suspended. He called and he said, it's the doctor. I just want to let you know that I am suspending your license. It's going to be a big problem. You know, you really want to be able to trust your doctor, but if he's going to turn around and suspend your license without really a reason, I don't know if you can talk to your doctors about everything. Yeah, I mean, Bob, we seem to have um, opened a Pandora's box of, of civil liberty issues with this new legislation. Um, if you can't talk to your doctor without worrying that that's something you say is going to get your license taken away, I mean, <laughs> this is just the beginning of a lot of problems. Well, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that in the majority of cases that this wouldn't be the case. I think we're going to have some wingnut situations um, over the next period of time, and this is a good example of that. We've introduced a new product into the marketplace, a new legal uh, product in the marketplace. And you know what? There's going to be some kinks that are going to have to get ironed out here uh, in terms of the legislation and how people react and what they do and how the police deal with stuff and how the medical profession, who haven't been exactly entirely on board, deal with things. So I think, I think we're going to see you know, a few of these sort of stories come up. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it's gone relatively smoothly so far, um, and uh, let's hope it continues to. Yeah, for me, Anthony, it's not so much about the pot issue. It's just that we've got, you know, pot and impaired driving laws kind of coming in all at the same time, and now we've heard about 70-year-old Art who tried to return empties, and now we've got this guy who went to his doctor uh, and mentioned that he smoked medicinal pot, um, you know. And, and so if we continue hearing these stories, you know, this and, and the legislation stays in place, it, it is not working. The thing I love, or should I say hate, about the impaired driving story with the gentleman returning the empties is if I had seen this legislation and then, and then I had come on this program, I had said, guys, what's going to happen next? Is they're going to pull over a 70-year-old man just because he's got empties in the back? You would have laughed me down and you would have said, you're not coming back on this program again. Those things that we consider so absurd uh, that, you know, they're like ridiculous examples, and then they happen. And that's where we're at with this. And it's, it is very interesting. And, and it does suggest, and, you know, I, I agree with Bob that, and I've been saying there's no, there's no sort of uh, beta testing this. It's trial and error. It just goes live, and you got to figure out the bumps in the road. But it's interesting that doctors and police officers, they don't actually really know what to do. I mean, these are the signs of individuals who are just uncertain about how the system works, and they're making stuff up uh, as they go along. Does that mean they haven't had the adequate guidance from government? Does that mean they haven't had the adequate guidance from their supervisors? I I don't know, and I hope we we get out of this phase in a few months, but uh, it's not good. No, growing pains, and at least we're talking about it so people have an idea of what they can expect. Uh, I'm team, I'm team art on this one. I think uh, <laughs> this was a fairly serious police overreach. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we'll have to take a look at the legislation again over the next uh, three to six months because a number of the things that uh, Anthony's raised and, and in fairness, a couple of conservative senators raised that they may, in fact, uh, 
they may in fact be right. We may have to do some amendments. Yeah, otherwise we stack up the courts with a whole bunch of throwaway cases, which defeats the purpose of of a lot of things. Scott Brayson, I wanted to touch upon this with both of you. Um, You know, forcing the Trudeau Liberals to shuffle cabinet, and it does pose some significant challenges from them because they've had a few, uh, you know, weak members who maybe shuffled out. Um, Bryson, by the way, was approved and set to run again, and he is one of the more liked members. He's certainly more seasoned. Everyone, you know, what works well with him. Uh, Bob, does his departure mean all their problems go away with the Norman case? No, I don't think so at all. I think the Norman case proceeds as per uh, as, as per the rules in the courts. In terms of the case with Scott, he's been there 22 years. It's almost identical, I might say, to the to the. Uh, to the John Baird case, who was also renominated, I might add. Uh, quite, quite. A, if you don't get renominated, then people think you're not running, so you go and you do that quickly. Uh, and I think in both cases, these guys just basically said, "Hey, I have an opportunity for another career in my life. I've put in a lot of time in politics, and uh, I'm going to take it." I don't think it's much more than that in this case. And when it comes down to the Norman thing, um, he's going to have to deal with that. Um, you know, by the by, the rules of the road or by by the law, Anthony. Well, I, I do take Bryson at his word when he talks about wanting to spend time with his family. Just myself, having young children, I know politics is a tough slog. And uh, to Bob's point, I mean, he's got nothing to prove anymore. He run for one leadership, but he's probably not going to become uh, prime minister anytime soon. So he's done it. He's done the circuit. And now he's, he's going to move on. I don't know if he'll come back later, but, uh, you know, he's going to a next chapter. I get all of that. The Mark Norman question is very real, though. Uh, but the, the legal issues, it's really Mark Norman defending himself, and the political damage will really fall at the PMO. I mean, yeah. this is like Mike Duffy trial 2.0, even though I think... Oh, I think it's much is, more damaging than that, yeah. Well, well and I was going to say, the difference is that this dog actually hunts here. So well, I, I, We're I talking like $700 million. It is, well, yeah. it's going to be... There's going to be major frustrations yeah. in terms of people saying, what exactly uh, did the PMO say in terms of interference with this case? So we'll see that there, and Bryce's name will continue to crop up in the story a bit here and there. But it, it can be everything that we've said at the same time, the, the Bryson departure. And I just want to add, as a coda, when it comes to the cabinet shuffle, I'm hearing a couple of drips and drabs rumors that Catherine McKenna might not hold that position. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether or not that's true, but that would be wonderful if so, because her, her hectoring and her tisking on the climate alarmism has made this file so toxic, and it, I think it's just worsened it. Hey, by the way, Bob, who would you put into environment if uh, McKenna wasn't there? Well, there's a number of good people. If it's going to be a big issue, uh, maybe the uh, uh, maybe the uh, cabinet minister who's heading uh, Indigenous Services right now, Jane Philpott's an example. Of well, give her another one. Like, what? She got two? Doesn't she have two? Well, portfolios? you know what? She she's she's been very good, but I would put somebody in who could lower the temperature focus on the facts and the stats on this, perhaps not be so, if I can say it, religious on this issue. So, it won't, um, But it won't be Adam Vaughn then. <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, but, uh, but you know, some, somebody, somebody with those sort of characteristics to lower the temperature, not turn up the Bunsen burner. Yeah. That, to me, would make a lot of sense for, uh, for the Liberals to do. This is a little inside baseball, but because you both uh, know the players and, and how this works, I want you to give some context to it. But Doug Ford losing uh, one of his most senior members, Jenny Byrne. This is someone you've heard on this show uh, before. She uh, has been appointed to the Ontario Energy Board. And, and this is a woman who, you know, she's broken through several ga- glass ceilings. She got, uh, you know, Doug Ford elected. She got Prime Minister Harper elected. She is more than qualified for the job. But, uh, Anthony, you get a lot of the tisk tisk another patron position. How do you see this? 
Uh, well, I, I think there's a number of things going on. You're right that uh, Jenny is, is very accomplished in, in politics, and she's got nothing to prove. So this is not necessarily a job that people stay in for, for a long time, although she is leaving a little early. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm about to say, I, I don't know if this, this is confirmed the issue, but uh, Doug Ford's right-hand man, Dean French, mm-hmm. is someone who many, many people in the Ontario PC apparatus have told me personally uh, that he is uh, causing a lot of problems uh, for the government, for other people in the government, and that while his connection with the Premier may be close, his connection with everybody else is pretty weak. And uh, it, it seems inevitable that the Premier is going to face more and more pressure to, to turf this individual uh, to keep the entire family happy. Yeah, I mean, to, to lose Jenny Byrne in your inner circle, Bob, um, and you guys aren't even on the same political team, uh, she is bench strength that is, uh, I think, going to be a a loss for the Premier because the bottom line is 2019 is not going to be nearly as easy as 2018, and 2018 was already very difficult. Well, full full disclosure, she happens to be a friend of mine, despite our uh, different parties. Uh, I think That's allowed, Bob. You're allowed to be friends. There you go. I think she's terrific. (laughs) I think she's bright and accomplished, and uh, I think she did a good job of them. I will say, I don't think she was ever planning on staying for an eternity. She's done a lot of political jobs. I think she viewed her job as a little bit of a setup, uh, helping get the government all organized, and I think she's accomplished some of that. I'm not privy to, you know, the discussions in, internal to the Conservative Party, so I can't really comment on the Dean French stuff. But, um, you know, but is I it fair to criticize on the patronage? I mean, you've got Andrea Horvath out, out there already saying, oh, look, more friends of Doug Ford getting into well, these... Uh... Well, you know, which certainly when you're in opposition, you're going to criticize any appointment like that. It it happens. I happen to think that, you know, she's done a number of things in in her period of time and she should not be disqualified from it. But at the same time, you know, Doug Ford went out there and stood there and uh, crapped all over the Liberals and Kathleen Wynne for every appointment here or there. And sometimes in politics, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Stay tuned. We'll find out what happens on Monday. All right, guys, thank you so much for sharing your Friday with me. You get extra points, and I appreciate that. Thank you. That is Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury joining us here tonight. You're On Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.